Welcome to Podcastica Patristica. You are listening to one of our monthly mini-episodes. I'm your host, Tyler Standley, and today I'm going to answer the question, what is heresy? A couple years ago, I wrote a blog called Six Heretics Who Should Be Banned from Evangelicalism. It was a tongue-in-cheek piece about how some of the people that evangelicals love are not quite as evangelical as everyone pretends. I wrote it because I had seen the word heretic thrown around by evangelical leaders like a beach ball at a Nickelback concert. Anyone who didn't share their exact opinion on any particular issue was labeled a heretic or a false teacher. So in the article, I simply point out that people like C.S. Lewis, William Barclay, and Billy Graham believed the same things that earned Rob Bell and Rachel Held Evans and others the label of heretic. But are all these people heretics? This is what happens when theology gets politicized. We use labels to condemn people on the other team, while ignoring the things that happen on our own team. This is really nothing new. The ancient Christians did it as well, but that doesn't make it any better. As we said in our first episode, we want this podcast to be a force for good. We want to teach church history so that we can learn how to be better Christians in today's world. And since it's so popular for Christian leaders to throw around the term heresy whenever they see things they don't like, I thought we could spend a few minutes learning a little bit about the history of heresy. Now before we get into the nitty-gritty, I have to point out that, although these are all my own thoughts, most of what I say here is heavily influenced by one of my professors, David Wilhite, who is a patristic scholar at Baylor's Truett Seminary, and who recently wrote a book called The Gospel According to Heretics. You should go buy his book and read it, because it's great. Go to podcasticapatristica.com for info on Dr. Wilhite's book, as well as a link to his two-part interview with the So What podcast on this very topic. So the word heresy comes from the Greek word hierasis, which just means faction or school of thought. In Acts 5.17, it speaks of the heresy or the religious party of the Sadducees. Acts 15.5 talks about the heresy of Pharisees. In the same way, we might talk about the heresy of Baptists or Presbyterians. It could even refer to a political party, so we could have the heresy of Republicans or Democrats. So, to be abundantly clear, heresy is a completely neutral term in New Testament times and before. But the term took on a more negative meaning in the early life of the church, because heresy for them was a divergence from the tradition that had been handed down by the apostles. That's why they thought that anything new is probably heresy. And that makes sense. If orthodoxy is whatever the apostles said, then anything new cannot be apostolic, since the apostles are dead. So, it became a fight between these Christian groups about whose teaching actually reaches back to the apostles. 
And this is a really important point to remember. The people who were teaching heresy were not trying to lead people astray. They weren't sitting in underground lairs, rubbing their hands together and consulting Satan about how best to destroy Christianity. These people were doing the best they could with what they had in order to answer very difficult questions. But they were called heretics because their answers were insufficient. Now, the problem with that definition of heresy is that the apostles didn't answer every question that could be asked. So, for instance, it seems that the apostles believed Jesus was, in some way, one with God. But what does that mean? If Jesus is God and human, what part of him is God and which part is human? Did Jesus exist before he was born? Maybe Jesus was just a normal guy that was adopted by God later in his life. All of these questions, which the apostles didn't explicitly answer, led to some lively, and some deadly, debates. And this is why Hippolytus says that heresy is the result of, quote, meddling curiosity. Someone once famously asked St. Augustine, what was God doing before he created the world? To which Augustine famously replied, he was creating hell for people who ask that kind of question. But the heretics truly thought that their beliefs stretched back to the apostles. For instance, back in the early 3rd century, there was a guy named Sibelius. He believed that when the Bible says there's one God, it means that there's only one God. He also believed, as the apostles taught, that Jesus is that God. So it's only logical to say that Jesus is one mode of God, and the Father is another mode, and the Holy Spirit is still another. And this one God appears at different times throughout history in these different modes. This theory is called modalism. Now, obviously, this is not what most Christians have believed throughout history. Most of us believe in the Trinity, that God is one essence in three persons. But our Trinitarian concept wasn't put in those words until Tertullian, who lived at the same time as Sibelius. So you can't fault him for getting it wrong. And we still have modalists around today. And however wrong they might be, you can't say that their reasoning is all that bad. And you can't say that they're unfaithful. For another example, some heresies were just the result of trying not to commit other heresies. There was a man named Nestorius who was very careful to avoid the Apollinarian heresy, which claimed, to be overly simplistic, that Jesus is a human puppet which the divine Son of God operates. To use an analogy used by David Wilhite in Gospel According to Heretics, you could say that Nestorius viewed Jesus like a bilingual person. Unfortunately, I have an American education, so I can't speak two languages, but let's suppose I did. Let's suppose that I could perfectly speak English and Portuguese equally well. If I speak English here in Waco, Texas, and then fly down to Rio de Janeiro and speak Portuguese with the locals, nothing about me is different. I'm still one person, one essence. So Jesus can speak, so to speak, the language of divinity and of humanity. As divine, he can heal people. As human, he can be beaten and flogged and even murdered. 
But Nestorius would not say that Jesus is one person with two essences, because that was too close to the way Apollinaris's puppet Jesus looked. And for that, the Western churches of Greece and Rome called him a heretic. So if you're now thinking, that doesn't sound like heresy to me, you would be correct. It's not heresy. It was mostly a misunderstanding of what he was saying, because there was a language barrier between Eastern and Western Christians. And this is why we need to study early Christianity, including heretical Christianity. So, despite the accusation that heretics ask too many questions, the thing is, once the question is asked, it can't be unasked. And these are serious questions, and the church needed to provide answers. So, leaders from churches all around the known world would come together for what they called ecumenical councils. And they debated and discussed these particular questions and formulated what came to be called the Orthodox Creeds. At their heart, the creeds are what we call apophatic. And that means they're not telling us what we have to believe or to say about God. They're saying what we cannot say about God. In the future, we'll have episodes about the various creeds and get more in detail, but I'll give you a couple quick examples. The Nicene Creed says, quote, We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, light of light, very God of very God, begotten and not made being of one substance with the Father. Each line of that creed is written in such a way to exclude the things that should not be said about God. So it says Jesus is the Son of God, and God is the Creator. So you cannot say, like the Marcionite heretics, that Jesus is a different God from the Creator of the Old Testament. Jesus is, it says, begotten of the Father. So you cannot say, like the Ebionites, that Jesus was just a person that the Father adopted. It says that Jesus is begotten and not made. So you can't say with the Arians that Jesus is just a created being. And all of this means that you can't say with Sibelius that Jesus is just another mode of God, because the Father and Son are clearly distinct. Now, the obvious implication here is that heresy comes before orthodoxy, at least in the way that it was formulated. In other words, the orthodox responses to heresy are just that, responses. But that doesn't mean that they were inventions. Most of the time, they were clarifications. They were new ways of communicating things that Christians had presumably always believed. So when someone started saying, Jesus is only half God and half human. The church came together and said, No, that's not what we've been saying. We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully human. And then they argued about how that's possible. At the beginning of this episode, I asked whether those popular Christian figures like Billy Graham and C.S. Lewis are heretics. And the answer is a resounding yes, they absolutely are. And, fun fact, if you claim to be a Christian, so are you. 
This is because heresy is defined as anything that is not orthodox. And orthodox literally means correct teaching. But who decides what the correct teaching is? The Eastern Orthodox? The Syriac Orthodox? Roman Catholics? Protestants? Anglicans? Baptists? You get the point. This is why the debates among different Christian groups today, especially with us Protestants, is like the debates that happened in the early church. We're trying to prove that our tradition, our teachings, go back to the apostles. And the early church could come together and make ecumenical councils and formulate creeds because it was much smaller and more closely organized than it is today. Bishops from all around the different regions could get together and try to answer the questions so that global Christianity could be on the same page. But with all of our different heresies today, and especially with the internet, where everyone has a voice, we simply can't have the same kinds of authoritative conversations, for better or worse. So it seems best, in my opinion at least, to get rid of the word heresy, unless it applies to the specific teachings that the early church called heresy. And honestly, many of those I wouldn't even consider heresy, but we'll deal with those as we get to them. Most of the time, in modern vernacular, using the word heresy is just another way to say you're not a Christian. But that's not what heresy is about. The question of heresy is not a question of personal salvation. Only God has the authority to declare who is in or out of salvation. The church, in my very Protestant opinion, does not have that authority. But we as the church do have the ability and the obligation to study history in order to better understand the teachings of the apostles. So in case you haven't noticed, I haven't really given a clear answer to what heresy is. That's because the subject is so complex that we can't just slap a definition on. Each time we confront an ancient heresy, we have to deal with the fact that things were still messy and politically motivated back in the ancient world. Sometimes we need to step back and see that People weren't actually heretics, they were just using different words to say the same thing. Other times, their answers weren't completely wrong, they just come up short. And of course, often, they were completely wrong. But studying the early church, in addition to the Christian Bible, will help you to better navigate these issues. So stay tuned for future episodes of Podcastica Patristica, where we will discuss these heresies and the responses that we now call orthodox.